Yeah, but we're, we're excited that you're here. We're just gonna we're gonna do like a bit of a, a bit of a Christmas message, but on the uh, a take on the on the word peace. And so I'm gonna just start. Uh, I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna read out of Luke. Um, Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you'd be here today, God. Uh, you just be so evident in this room as we study your word and we we study. Uh, the New Testament, the Old Testament, what you say about peace, what you say about shalom, Father God, what you have for all of us, wholeness, Jesus, wholeness with one another, wholeness with you, wholeness in our own lives and in our bodies and in our minds. Father God, for all the broken pieces, Lord, that, that, we, that sometimes our lives feel like the scattered parts, Lord, that you just, you're in it and, you're, and you want to make it whole and you can, God, and we, we believe in that and we believe in you. And Holy Spirit, right now we invite you here and ask that you would just speak through us today, God, that everything you'd have us to say, we'd say that, and that everything else just falls to the ground before it ever even comes out of either of our mouths. In your name we pray. Amen. We almost got the whiteboard out today, but we didn't, couldn't get it. We couldn't find we markers, so we were slides. like, maybe we should try and reset the computer again. <laughs> so this is Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Uh, it says this, and you guys are familiar with this story, but it says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. A couple of years ago, uh, our family, we went to Noel night down, 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 downtown. And, uh, well, it was, I guess it was Midtown. I was in Midtown, and we went there. It was, it was kind of for us, it was going to kick off our, our Christmas season. Like, we, we, we're big Christmas people. We used to live in New York, and we, like, love Christmas and all the lights and all that. You know, in so the we city went, and the, yeah, it's, it's amazing. the life so, and the vibe. I was probably more excited about it than our, our kids were. And we, we, we're so looking forward to that finale, because I don't know if you've ever been there, but the, the, from, I, I don't know for sure, but from my understanding of it, is the way that it ends is the whole, kind, the whole city gathers together, and in kind of one accord, they all sing Christmas. Christmas carols that are led by the Salvation Army. And so we started the night by getting uh, some of those Detroit, those mini donuts. Have you guys had those? Yeah, those things. Uh, and, and, and the kids, they were like dancing around to the music that was playing. And there was like this hill that they kept rolling down. It was just one of those beautiful Christmas nights, like winter nights. And everybody was bundled up, but it wasn't too cold. And, uh, uh, and then, then we were like, hey, let's go to the DIA. Because there were like these, we heard that there was these, these crafts and all these different things for the kids there. Uh, but as we were going there, uh, we ended up going the other direction because we found out there was a petting zoo. And the kids really wanted to go to the petting zoo. So we're like, okay, let's go there first. So we went to the petting zoo and we stayed there for a while. And we were kind of just bouncing from one station to the next to the next. Some of you have probably been there. You know what it's, what it's like. Uh, and uh, and, the, and, and the basically, we stayed there for a while. Then we were starting to head to the DIA. And as we were heading back, we actually saw Drew and his parents. You remember this day, Drew? We had just come out of, like, there was this huge, beautiful church. I don't even know which church it is, but it's gorgeous, stained glass, and they were having Christmas singing and things. And we had just come out of there, and I remember that being like, why did we even come here? And then it was like, oh, so we could see Drew and his parents. Like, <laughs> kind of felt like a little destiny thing. But. So they were coming from the DIA. We were going to the DIA, and they said, don't go there. 
And we're, 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 like, we're like, why? And they said, well, we got kicked out. Everybody had to leave. A bunch of police officers with like huge guns. They had all SWAT. just come in, SWAT, whatever. Uh, and because there was a shooting at the, at the DIA that, that night. And uh, we later found out that four people were shot there uh, uh, right outside that museum. And so we stayed pretty calm during the moments. Uh, we, 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 we didn't really know what happened and we, we didn't want to alarm our, our kids. Uh, so from there, what we did was we went back into those churches. There were all these different churches and they're gorgeous churches down right there on Woodward. And they're all doing like little Christmas productions and musicals. And it was really, really amazing to just be there and kind of go from each, to go from each one. But we noticed as we went from one church to the next, each time we went out, there were more helicopters outside. And each time that we went outside, there was more flashing lights. And, uh, and it, it, just, it just seemed to get a little bit more chaotic. And we went to get the kids' faces painted. And, and, and then by the time we got out of that, we looked around and we realized that everybody was panicking in the whole area. Everything around us was a panic. There was like a huge crowd of people listening to the band at the field. And all of a sudden, nobody was in the field anymore. And everybody was just running. And they were getting out of there as quickly as they could. Uh, because, of course, they'd heard that there had been shootings. And they, had, they hadn't found the shooter. Yeah, and people kept doing things to just, like, panic the crowds, like, oh, like, put their hands in their pockets and pretend they had guns and stuff. Like, people are just insane. It was but crazy. Th- th- you would see all of a sudden, you'd hear, see somebody sort of, like, jab themselves at this crowd, and the cl- crowd would start screaming and run. Like, there was just utter chaos, and we were like, what's happening Grabbed our kids' hands. Yeah. So we have four kids, and we're trying to keep we them calm. We had three then, right? No, we have Maybe four, we had one we in the carrier. One was you're carrying one, or She's I was two, carrying so one now, yeah. Um, Maybe. We're, so we're trying Tiny. to keep them calm and not really let them in on all of what's happening. That's, you know, that, that, but, but they could sense something. Like they saw these people running, and they could tell something was wrong, and they started to get really upset mm-hmm. as, we were, as we were going through this. And, uh, and they were starting saying stuff about how they're afraid, and they don't understand what's going on, and they're looking around, and they're just afraid. Even when we got in the, it was a van, we had a van at the time, we got them in the van, and on our way home, like, they kept feeling like they weren't safe. And on the way home, we ended up going to Whole Foods that night, because it was actually also National Cookie Day. And national, so, so we had to Best get cookies, because we get to do all that stuff, and they were half off at Whole Foods, and so we wanted to keep things light, so we went there with our kids, uh, and something was so stirred in our kids to the point where that nothing, they knew that nothing was as it should be to the point where we get to Whole Foods. And they, and they said, I don't want to get out of the car because of the bad guys. That's what, what the, I think hadn't, it was Brooklyn that said that. We hadn't really said anything. There was sort of this moment where we got like the parent panic and we grab our kid's hand and there's panic going on. We're like, okay, let's go. This is where the car is. And we walked so far to the car, but our like stern panic <laughs> apparently just set them off and they just started asking questions like, something's over there, there's a bad guy. And then they hear the sirens and they yeah. were asking, what are the sirens for? Is someone sick? And we just kept saying, we don't know, there's someone that they're looking for. Yeah. And they just had this sense, this human sense of this is not good. They didn't have to hear it. They didn't have to see it. They didn't hear any gunshots. They didn't see anything at all. They just knew that this is not as it should be. So that was that night. I read a few days later in, um, in an article that was talking about how, and I know they, they just did Noel Night, and I know that, they, that they're doing it still, but there was an article saying they might not even do it anymore uh, because they, the idea was like, I think the article title was Detroit, uh, Noel Night's Violence Mars Detroit's Comeback Story. That's what one of these articles said. And it was, they're like, hey, we maybe shouldn't even do this anymore. The, the, but the article pointed out, and it was very fascinating to read, that it just shows how Detroit is still in the same place that everybody thinks that it is. Like, you can't take your family out to enjoy a Christmas thing uh, in the city without fear. 
And the article even talked about Amazon, because remember when we, were, we actually thought we had a chance to get an Amazon to move their headquarters here, and so we were like, Amazon's not coming if we can't even, you know, like that was... Do you guys remember that? Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> Amazon might It was all in there, and, um, and they're like, well, this is going to push them away. And, and that, the whole idea is like, this is a really broken world, and, and it's a really... And that was kind of the point of the article, was our city. It's really a broken, broken place. And that's where we come to this idea that in the chaos, we're not talking about that yet, in the chaos of our world, how can we read this story and spend this time at Christmas and really embrace peace? This story of Jesus coming into the world and this proclamation of like, something's about to really change. There's actually going to be peace. And what does that mean? I think that I've not for a long time in my life had a very good understanding of what peace is, sort of this sense of like this internal lack of conflict, this, this settling in, that's in my spirit, within me, you know, like let's do yoga so we can have peace. Let's not have war so we can have peace. All the not this and then this settling in ourselves. In the Hebrew language, so this, this these stories of, of Jesus coming are told to the Jews from the Jewish perspective very often. And the word peace, so I'm going to go to the Hebrew word for peace, not the New Testament word that's used there, but the Hebrew word of shalom. That's peace. Okay, so this shalom in the Old Testament, this, this Hebrew understanding is a very communal. It's the community. We experience peace. We experience shalom. And we experience wholeness. This is not the lack of conflict in our, or the absence of conflict between each other. That's not what we're talking about here. So if that's your picture, throw it out. We'll get there. This is not just the lack of or the absence of bad. The world is chaotic. There is bad. There is conflict in our world. And we in this state of our world, cannot escape it. But if we cannot escape it, how can we find true shalom in this community? Peace exists only when God's people live in this harmonious relationship with God and with others. So there is, there is the lack of conflict because there's harmony, but there can be conflict and still be unity, right? And still be harmony. So that's a health thing that you can talk to like a professor about because we're not gonna get there today. Um, but this, it's two pieces. Shalom is one, a gift from God. Yeah. That you don't earn, you don't do anything for. It's something he gives us. But now in the New Testament context, because of Jesus, <laughs> There will be peace. God will finally give us shalom, wholeness, true wholeness. We will finally, as a community, experience that. Now we have a task. So we'll talk about what those two things are. Those are the main pieces that, that we are called to. As we ex- receive this gift from God, what do we do with it? And how do we participate in the shalom? So... The very first portion of this gift, this gift from God, we have to position ourselves to have peace. We have to find it in this spiritual formation. So if God's going to give us this gift, he gives it to us because it's grace. But where do you receive it? 
So when we're doing worship, when you sit in your room alone and think about who God is and the evil in the world, can you find a place where you receive that shalom? We have to find a place. This is the spiritual formation, and we'll talk a little bit about how that adds to our wholeness as a human being. Um, but this, it begins with this, we call it the divine dance of the Trinity. And we can talk more about that. that that's sort of a term that we've talked about a lot here, and we'll continue. But it's beyond the absence of this chaos. In the world of chaos, we can still experience shalom. And I can tell you today that in some of the most chaotic spaces of my life and the most chaotic experiences of my life, there is a wholeness that I can continue to carry. And there is this inner peace where I'm like, everything's going to be fine. Mm. I'm okay. But there's also a greater sense. When, when we were in those crowds and the people were running, I was whole because my whole family, I had my yeah. girls by the hand. I think I hoped I had four hands, but I only had two, so. I must have the other <laughs> I think I was wearing one in a carrier. Um, so I had this sense of wholeness because everyone was with me. No one was running. No one, and the fear started to rise up, and that started to take from my wholeness. So there's a sense that happens there. But the first piece of this that God's given us, this gift, we can see in the original intention of creation, this created order. This is the very beginning of the story. We so often focus on how the chaos is, was brought back into the world with, with sin and then how we're trying to redeem that. We're so focused on that that we've become, we have to help people find peace and wholeness. There's a little bit more to it. We have to first receive that wholeness and that what were you created for and what does that look like and how did God make you in Shalom? There's a there's a Hebrew word that we've been studying a lot lately. I've, I've been diving into a lot, and actually we're going to, in January, uh, we're going to do kind of a, a series that's going to have a lot to do with this word. But I want to introduce it to you now, and maybe you've heard it before, but it's the phrase, tikkun alam. And what it means is to fix the world. To fix the world. Uh, and, and I'm very excited to dive into it in a lot more detail coming up because it's a lot more loaded than I can give it to you all in one moment. But uh, Russell Resnick describes it like this. He says, that this is the idea of it, is that we can reverse the cycle of sin and corruption in the created order, and we can contribute to the fulfillment of God's purposes for creation. It, it, see, for the, for, the, for the Hebrew people, for the, for the Jewish people, it's, the, it's always been, there's always been two pillars, two staples for them. One of them is to uh, welcome the stranger, and the other is to repair the world, to leave the world better than you found it. Uh, and, that's, and that's the concept of tikkun alam. Um, and uh, it's, it, but, but it's actually connected to the, to the, to creativity and to the creation of the world and to us now bearing the image of God by creating things that make the world better, that make the world a better place, that make the world function better, that make the world flow better, that make, uh, that make things more just in the world where it's really, really broken. We, you know, like we hear things like what, like the story that we told you about on Noel night and we think, well, that's just the way that it is. And it's very, easy to say that's too big of a problem for me to solve and maybe it is too big of a problem for any one person to solve but there is a solution and it's not supposed to be that way like we we, we shouldn't have those types of fears and so this this concept is we're going to actually bear the image of god and we're going to make things better in all the spheres that we're in in we're going to make it more peaceful we're going to make it more saturated with love mm-hmm. so creation and creating in the world that we're creating that's really really important 
We've talked about this before, but in, uh, in, in the Jewish law, the, the Torah, uh, there was 613 laws. And uh, the Hebrew um, word for, for creation is the word barati. Uh, and in Hebrew, every letter is also a number. So there's not like one, two, three, four. There's just, you know, Aleph, Bet is one, two in Hebrew. So, you, you, and so that means that every word also has a numerical value. And the numerical value for Barati, for creation, is actually 613 which is Torah, which is everything to them. That was the law because to them, even though like, we, we read these things as law, like, like she said, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It's not all about what we do, but like, even to them back then, it wasn't so much just about doing the law so that you can follow rules. It was like, we're trying to do the law because this is the, this is the intention for creation. This is how we contribute in bringing wholeness to the world and actually doing that. Uh, and it, so as we fulfill the law, we're actually part of making all things new. But it's not about law. It's about joining with God in working for the shalom of humanity. See, we actually, one thing we were talking about yesterday, and you could probably say more about this, is like we're always so focused on like, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And we should try our best to do that, but we aren't Jesus. We, we're, we're the church. We're the bride of Christ, and we're creation. And what we ultimately represent is we represent creation. So this idea, this picture of creation represented in the law, we've talked about this a little bit before, but this, these numbers are, they're, they're sort of trivial, but there's something really significant about how they represent things in this gift. The gift of the law was really important because what it did is it, it represented like literally every arena of life that we could say, God, I trust you, you care about all the things. You care about my wholeness in my relationships. You care about my wholeness in my health. You care about my wholeness in my personal self and how I feel about things and see the world. You care about wholeness in my mental health, in the hormones and the chemicals in my body, in the way that I got cut off in, uh, while I was driving here, all of it. He cares about, Alan Hirsch will say, he even cares about the mold behind the kitchen sink. Apparently there's a law about mold behind the sink. Oh, yeah. I didn't know they had sinks in the Old Testament, but hey, you know what? You learn something new every day, and that might not be true. I think it's just a figure of speech. But here's the thing about the law. All 600 and what, 13? Is that how many? 14? There's kind of a weird debate on the number. 613 laws represent 613 little tiny pieces that make up the created order. And those laws, when the, when the chaos came, see, God creates out of chaos. Chaos doesn't bother him. Right. It's the image that he made. He, he found chaos and he goes, I want to make my image. And that image, 613 little bits of that image, it's a little bit of a stretch to say God is made of 613 pieces, but just follow me here. All of those little bits of creation got distorted that image all of a sudden doesn't quite look like what it's supposed to be, and it doesn't really quite reflect who God is. So God, being a loving God, gives the gift of shalom, of wholeness, when that, those 613 pieces are sent in chaotic different directions and exploded over humanity and all these little pieces that nobody's whole anymore, and there is no peace in a way. And that law, those 613 pieces, took all the chaos and brought it in one space to say, if you want to find wholeness, if you want to find shalom, if you want to arrive at peace, the law, not to achieve it, not to do all the things in the law and you will be whole, but it represents the created order. It's not important to 
follow every little detail of the law. What is important here? Okay, that's important, but what's important here is that we realize that God cares about every little chaotic piece of your life, of your world, and he wants to bring it into order because he is a God of order. He's a creative, sloppy, let's find chaos and make something beautiful out of it. But he will make something beautiful out of your chaos. And that is the gift that God has for you. The law is this prescription Luke Bobo says it like this, a prescription for how his people could attain a measure, a measure of shalom in this broken, chaotic world. God's mission is this comprehensive restoration back to the original intention. So he gives us creation, it explodes. He gives us a law, they do all the crazy things. (laughs) Nobody can keep the law. I can't keep the law. I don't even know that there's a kitchen sink in the law. I don't know the law. The way that the Jews knew it. I can't achieve wholeness. But it represents the wholeness that that God wants for me. And then we get to the next gift that the law points to fulfilling created order. And now we have Jesus who fulfills the law. Jesus represents the wholeness and the created order and all the 613 bits right. of chaos coming to order. Yeah, I mean, even, even, with, even when, if you think of like John, like the Gospel of John, it says, uh, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then in, in 114, it actually says, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It's literally saying, like, to, to them, the Logos, it's the Lord Logos, it is all that. It's everything they've ever studied, everything they've everything. known. And suddenly, it's all finding its form in Jesus. So, yeah, so ultimately, we, we're looking to, for the Jews, they're looking for the law to fulfill, or they're looking to all this, all this other stuff to get them peace and to find shalom. And then Jesus comes in and says, no, it's not about that anymore. Now you can just have it right through me. Does that make sense? I mean, even, even, even in Ephesians, like what is, this is what Paul says in Ephesians 2. This is absolutely amazing. It says in 2.14, he says, For he, being Jesus himself, is our peace. Mm. He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments. So by coming, he's done away with all that and said, hey, you can find peace in me. You don't have to do all those things to get to it. It can be found in me. Yes, you still have a purpose for being here. He says, um, all the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So by making peace, might, make, might reconcile us back to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility so that we can actually find peace within us and amongst us and in our communities and in our churches yeah i mean this this mystery like this is think about this for a second literally a little tiny baby was born and the news went around the world there's gonna be peace guys this baby was born how does a baby make the world peaceful okay i can see that but wow they're really crazy sometimes like all the crying and the needy and they can't do anything for themselves plus it seemed like the opposite of peace because hair was so bad and the the way he was brought into the world was just this it was in it's, chaos. It was chaos. And they're proclaiming, they're so excited. But what are they so excited for? I don't quite get it when I just hear, a baby was born, there's going to be peace. I'm sure anybody that wasn't Jewish was like, you cray-cray. <laughs> Why? The messianic hope. There was this thing that the Jews expected. 
And there was this idea that the leader, the, the king or the president or the, the, the ruler of the time represented, this is the community aspect, they don't see this individual salvation or this individual righteousness. Whoever the leader is, you represent, you become that. Okay, so if your leader is like worshiping other gods, you now are like, okay, I guess I should worship. You, you become, their righteousness, you are clothed in their righteousness mm. or unrighteousness. So the people were so desperate, so desperate to be God's people and to be righteous. But they just couldn't fulfill the law and the kings were just a mess. Every single one of them, even David. Dear God, David, pull it together, man. Like you're not righteous. You were the man after God's own heart, but you couldn't keep it together. Nobody can keep it together. But God still has that hope and that peace for us. There was this expectancy that, that they kept saying, someday this king is going to come and he's going to make us all righteous. He's going to come and he's going to be pure and spotless. He'll be righteous and he'll inaugurate our righteousness. And then finally we can be God's people. And finally we can fulfill the law. We'll have it in us to fix all 613 pieces and be shalom. There was this hope for wholeness that in this chaotic world, there's gotta be something. And there was this hope for the Messiah. They expected a king to actually like sit on a throne and like rule the people. God had a very different idea. Yes, Jesus sits on the throne, and that's something biblically and theologically I could give you a nice hard case for. He's sitting on a literal, I'm not gonna talk about literal or physical throne, but he is the king on the throne, and there's a reason why we know that. There is a reason why we know that, even though we don't see it with our eyes or experience it in the tangible. Is it enough? Is Jesus enough to bring hope by being born? To bring peace, to bring wholeness? Just by being born, the hope had come. The king had been born, the prince of peace had been brought into this world and the people who knew the messianic hope knew. They, I mean, there's kind of this concept of like the wise men leaving going, Something really amazing is about to happen. Our world is going to be whole. There will be shalom. There was this sense of hope for wholeness. We live now in that sense. We live in this like already not yet where there's not the consummation. There's a promise for the consummation. Where wholeness, there's hope for wholeness and we can experience it, but there's still chaos. Okay, so there will be a day where the chaos and the darkness completely and entirely flees, gone. It's like the new age, but the New Testament's the new age, so it's like the new, new age. Whatever you want to call it, the, the last day, the end of the times, there will be a day when all order is brought back to all 613 and whatever else. We're finite, so we put things in numbers and put them in a box. It's really nice, right? There's this idea that the leader and the king and Jesus could possess the attributes of God, mediate for God, and be an indicator of the presence of God. And that's what Jesus represented. And in a way, as we get to the task, that's what we represent in the world today as we experience this wholeness and hope. If Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, and the law is a fulfillment of creation and the restoration of creation. And this mission of God is to restore 
absolutely everything back to order. Jesus is hope for us to return back to that garden. I don't want to say perfection because it kind of throws us off and like, oh, we have to be perfect. No, there's, there's, there's so much beauty in, in your chaos and your suffering. Yeah. It's beautiful. And if you don't believe me, talk to Jesus for like 10 minutes and he'll set you straight. <laughs> it's beautiful what you go through. It's stressful and you don't love it. But God has this thing where as we move towards wholeness, it becomes part of this story. We're invited into the story by taking our chaos back to creation, uh, forward to the consummation, that final time where there's wholeness. We are, this big story of the Bible and our lives and humanity, it begins with God, not us. It begins with this Trinitarian love, this, the Trinity. They're, they're together and it's, there's void and darkness and it's just the Trinity, God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and, and then the Holy Spirit. And they're just in this Trinity and then they create in their image. There's a community and they create for the sake of community. And I want you to kind of start to think about that and when we get to the task part. You've been given the gift of community and wholeness. It is a gift, shalom. It's done in community. It is so, so, so important that it's done in community. And we're made for this communion with God and with each other. And when that is in order, we're whole. And we participate in, in this divine communion. Our primary call as human beings is to know God, to love God, and to be known by God. And as we fulfill that call, as we receive that gift, then we begin to love others in the same way that we know God, we love God, and we're loved by God, we begin to know others, love others, and are loved by others. It's this community thing that doesn't ever really, it sort of just snowballs and continues in the whole world. The fall matters because, for a lot of reasons, but right here in this context, when, when the fall happened, we stopped working as co-laborers and co-creators and co-redeemers in the world. We took on the form of chaos and sin, and I just can't get it together. And that's how we exist, because of the already, not yet, and I don't want to explain all that now, we don't have time. But shalom then becomes a task that we are called to accept and participate in. You got me. <laughs> I don't click the slides, he does that. So this task, there's this, this sort of prophetic concept of, of the end, of the eschatology, the outpouring of the Spirit, they call it. And this is, the Spirit will be poured out, and the Spirit will then sort of represent how we become whole, and we will, the renewal of creation, and, and the establishment of, here comes justice and righteousness. And the result is true shalom. Isaiah 32, 15 through 17, we don't, oh, oh, you skipped one. Oh, I skipped one. All right, until a spirit from on high is poured out on us and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field. This is the, the whole earth, the tangible things, the spiritual things, and the shalom things, all the things. And the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. The effect 
of righteousness will be shalom, peace, wholeness in this community of humanity. And the results of righteousness, quietness and trust. These are the individual community things that we experience. This picture of wholeness, the promise of consummation, of of things being whole at the very end, someday all the chaos will be gone. Human beings are made for four relationships. We're made to be whole with God, to be whole with each other, to be whole with creation, take care of the earth, right? Recycle, that's not my plug. (laughs) And And to be whole with yourself. And this is shalom. Your relationships are whole. And yourself is whole. There's this, we represent shalom. As we wander the earth, as we go to our jobs, as we take care of our children or unlock our dorm room door, as we show up at class, as as we go to the grocery store, we represent wholeness. But how do we represent that if we don't take on the task of wholeness? And I'm not talking about all your friendships and your relationships, like, I gotta call my mom because I gotta make sure it's right. Yes, you do need to call your mom and you need to make sure that your relationship with her is whole. But that's not the thing we're talking about. Those relationships need to be whole. But this is this whole life discipleship is kind of the model that we're taking. Um, And we represent that. When we live in right relationship with God and with others, we, we restore relationships. We're in harmony in our marriage. Um, within Christian community, within our, within our church and the world around us and other churches and the partnerships we have and, and really this peace with everyone. I mean, these are the, the places that we have to be whole and obedience to God in those spaces. A, a condition of true peace is obedience to God and when there's disobedience, it destroys shalom when you hear the voice of God. So there's sort of this wholeness that, that we represent in our, our lives, our, the pieces of who we are. So we begin with the spiritual formation. And when we get it right with you and God, when that relationship is good, and you can sit in the divine sufficiency of who he is when you're not enough. You literally just, at one point in your life, if you're enough right now, you will find a point in your life where you're not enough. You don't have what it takes to take that test. You don't have what it takes to get out of bed one more time to clean up your kid's puke and change the sheets, dear God, for the ninth time that night. You don't have what it takes to drag yourself out of bed and show up at the job that you absolutely hate or you love and you just feel like garbage because you're dealing with depression or, or anxiety or you're, maybe you have PTSD and you just cannot open the door without thinking about something really crazy traumatic. That personal, personal, intimate space with God will help you to then become enough in your personal wholeness. And when you get that spiritual wholeness, when you and God figure it out, who am I in this created world? You're everything. You're everything to him. And you will be whole. He will work on you. One little tiny piece at a time. All 613,000 pieces. <laughs> all of them because they've been shattered and we're not whole. And then when that's whole, you, you as a human being become whole. Suddenly you can show up at work and you can parent your children and you're a good friend 
and you can listen to the cries of your friend and, and be there for the neighbor and do all the things and feed your children or yourself. You can, you can be something, just you and God, you and yourself. And then when that is whole, your relationships and how you interact with other people, this is kind of basic, but this is really important, those things become whole and you experience the shalom in the community. And then it's not just you. It's not just you and God. It's this thing we were made for, this community. And then you stop bickering with your spouse, maybe hopefully someday. <laughs> I mean, we, we argue because we care. We're passionate, right? <laughs> this is not marriage counseling. Okay, don't listen to me. <laughs> or, or your roommate who's just like, dear God, why do they always do that? Why? There just becomes this wholeness and this forgiveness becomes possible. And then you set yourself free and you set them free and there's wholeness and there's shalom. And then, and then your vocation, what you do with your life comes out of that who am I God in this world. Even if you're not standing up here, even if you're not out there handing out, I don't know, turkeys or gifts or whatever that looks like for you, your shalom of your personal wholeness, of your individual self before God in the, in the dance of the Trinity feeds what you do. You go to run the car wash or the auto repair shop. I heard the story of the auto repair man. When, when he runs his auto repair shop, that is the mission of God to repair people's vehicles so they can go to work, they can take their kid to the dance recital, they can show up in life, they can be at church, whatever that looks like. Your life is part of the, the world functioning and being whole. The economy around us, it's all part of this wholeness and this mission of God. We started creation in a garden and ended up in a city. We are creators. God made right. all of the things, and he wants you to do the same. So don't discount what you do at the gym or what you do at the scarf store. Like, don't discount that or what you do in the social work office. Don't discount it, this is the mission of God because he made us create all of these things and as we function, the world functions and thrives. And that is part of the mission of God and the wholeness of who God is. That is the Psalm 34, 14, we demonstrate and seek wholeness. Depart from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. We are the revelation of shalom, of wholeness, of restoration of all the earth. He, even though it's a task for us, there's still this thing that surrounds us of grace that he is our shalom. Jesus yeah. is our shalom. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, we were at the very beginning, right before, uh, when, when, they, when, they, when, the, when the angel revealed himself, he said, what, do not fear. He said, it, when he came to Mary, he said, do not fear. When he came to Joseph, do not fear, because this child is not coming to bring harm, he's coming to bring peace. And obviously, they, they were more afraid of the angels than they were about Jesus, they, they knew that. But like, it was a broken angels world. Angels are it's scary, bro right? <laughs> broken scenarios, and I mean, even, even the situation that happened, if you read in Matthew, like, after Jesus comes, it's not peaceful. It's not peaceful at all. Like every kid, everybody had a kid who was under two years of age. They, they killed them. They killed the children because they're trying to get to this baby that they say is going to be king. It's not, it's the opposite of peace. 
you know, you know, we, we, we're going to do, we're going to do, like I said, in January, we're going to do a, a whole series, and we, we've been going through a lot, and a lot of you know that, and we're going to kind of in January frame that out a little bit more and talk about um, some things with trauma and different, um, different scenarios and anxiety and, and depression and stress and different uh, factors of life that just kind of we, the world deals with on a, on a general basis, and we deal with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this, just for, we, you know, she asked just this, right before we started service, she's like, hey, will you, will you share just a little bit about it? Because there's a lot going on um, in our lives and in our, in our marriage and stuff like that. And, we, and for, since the summer, we've just been wrestling with a lot of different yeah. things. We've been battling. We've been uh, be dealing with depression ourselves, dealing with anxiety at extreme levels. Um, Stuff that anti-peace things, things that there's no peace in this. And, and so we, we, we kind of... We hit a wall where yeah. we were like, there's no shalom. The shalom has, we've disturbed it enough. It has departed from our lives and our world. And, part and we of the were re- really, yeah. really, really broken and we still are. Yeah. And part of the reason that we, uh, so, so obviously for those of you who have been here for, uh, consistently for a while, we haven't really been up here much. And that's, we've been here in community because we believe in this community and we believe that we don't want to face things alone. But we also feel like there's, there's, a time, there's, a, there's a time to be in one place and time to be in another. And right now is the time for us. We needed to find some healing. And we, we worked at that and we've talked through a lot of those things with you guys. But it, is, it was a combination of things. And again, in January, we'll, we'll, we'll walk you through a lot of it because it's like, it was like scenario. After scenario, after scenario, and every There's one always of them, something, right? Everyone That's was what like, let's saying. rob your peace out of this area. Let's rob your peace out of this area. Let's take your peace from this one. And we'll tell these stories in more detail. But, but kind of one of the culminating things that happened to us, and, and what, we're not even going to tell this story, but, but when, when, in, around July, we, we, we were doing, talking about some family planning things. And we, and we were talking about how we, we had four kids. We have four beautiful daughters. They're all healthy. One, well, there's one's a little sick right now. We took her to the emergency room this week. More chaos, but RSV she's guys. better now. We have four kids, and they're beautiful and they're amazing. And we and we're like we, we kind of we're looking at each other, the church, and the plans that God has for us, and what it seemed like. And we're like, do we want to have more kids? And we decided, no, we don't. We want to be. We're just we love our kids, but we're done with kids. And so we 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 actually went to a consult and began the process of figuring out how can we just be permanently done having kids so we can just kind of focus on other areas of our lives and really focus on the four we have. And when they did an ultrasound with Dawn, uh, just to figure out everything. Pre-surgery ultrasound. Pre-surgery ultrasound. And she was on different birth control things and all that, and we were trying to make it permanent. And then all of a sudden, ultrasound, she's pregnant. There was a baby. We didn't, we weren't planning on having a baby. We weren't, we, again, we, our lives were already chaos. We were already battling through some things that we'd never faced before in life. And it was, it was stressful. It was hard. It was one of those things where we just, we didn't even know, like, God, what are you doing? So here we are looking at this scenario where we're like, okay, we, we didn't even plan this, but, and now we're really, really overwhelmed because that couldn't have been a more chaotic time. And then, all, but all of a sudden we started getting really excited. We're like, well, this must be like the miracle child. Like this must be like the baby. We that, found our shalom in yeah. the chaos of our family and the order that God, what we thought God was doing for our family. Yeah. And then kind of in the midst of the chaos and uh, of our lives, and there was a lot of stress in our, in our home at that time. And um, we didn't really know how to navigate a lot of different things, but, um, at, when she entered the second trimester. 
I went first in my second trimester. My first, I was like, yes, we made it to the second trimester. It's a big milestone to get to the second trimester, and she'd made it to it. And right after she made it to the second trimester, there was no heartbeat. There was no heartbeat. And she, she had a, a miscarriage. And, it, it, you know, it's one thing to have, a, I mean, either way, it's really tragic, but like, we've had a miscarriage before, what, like six weeks, but like, when you're after that 12-week mark, and you've already heard a heartbeat, and you've already seen pictures, and you've already wrapped your mind around this family thing, that started, that was really, ooh. The risk of miscarriage is like one in a thousand it, at that point. It, it doesn't happen, almost ever. And so that, now we're stuck with this thing where we're, we're literally battling God, we're like, God, like, well, is this something we did? Like, I mean, it was, we went under a lot of stress, a lot of pressures. I remember the doctor walked in and he looked at us and he's like, and, 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 and he's like so what's the situation? He didn't tell us. He's like, so what's going on? And then Don's like, well, we're trying to figure out if there's a baby. And he just looks at us and he's like, nope, no heartbeat. And then he looks at us and he says, listen, it's nothing you did. It's nothing you didn't do. These things just happen. It's nothing you did. It's nothing you didn't do. And we're like, okay, that's great. Thank you. That's very encouraging. Except for now we're left with this really big weight in our, in our minds where we're saying, God, why in the world, in the most chaotic season of our lives, when already there's not peace, already it's a little chaotic, already we can't figure ourselves out, already we're a mess, why would you give us a baby, carry it to the second trimester, and just take it away? Why would you do that? And again, we, we, weren't, we weren't healthy when we got there. And we, we, just, we just battled and battled and battled and battled and battled and hit a wall. And we just, we, we, we just were like, God, we need, we need that shalom. We need that peace because right now it's not there at all. You know, the, um, the, in, in Hebrew, the, the, in ancient Hebrew, there's, uh, it's, all, it's, it's, all, it's written in pictures. And, and, the, and the picture for the word peace is actually to find peace, you destroy the authority that's establishing chaos. That's what the, the picture says. And it's like, we're like, we had all these different areas in our lives and then we're like, they're so chaotic. And we're like, God, we're trying to like weed these things out and you're just adding more. And then you're adding, but instead of being chaos, it ends up just being heartbreak. And we just kind of got lost. The feeling of, of a miscarriage, it, it, it comes with so many things, but one of the things that God has really been dealing with me with is the idea of insufficiency. Like, it's not even anything I did, but I'm just not enough. I wasn't enough to keep that baby alive. To, apparently the placenta didn't develop. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I didn't do anything to cause that. I didn't fall short, but I did. And I had to go back from who I was as a mother, the vocation as a mother, who I was to my children, to my husband, who I was as a person, and who I was in that secret space, just me and God. And I had to ask him, am I enough? Am I enough to... Be the revelation of your wholeness, of your shalom. I don't have what it takes, but Jesus does, guys. Jesus does. And when we stop.
stop focusing so much on the broken pieces and we just pick up the brokenness and throw it aside and just charge into that room with Jesus. We realize you are enough. And when you go into that room and say, you know what, doesn't matter. All that matters is me and him. That I know whatever God has decided for who I am, that's who I am. And when you stand in that, even in your failures, even in your chaos, you are enough and you are the revelation to the rest of the world who's going through their own brokenness. There's nobody in this room, there's nobody in this city, there's nobody in this earth, in all of humanity besides Jesus, but he suffered, who doesn't have their own brokenness. We don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with us. He can't just be like, you know what, you know what, I, I see you crying over there, it's just, I don't care. <laughs> he can't do it. His heart is broken for our suffering. He weeps with us. His love, his said love, that it doesn't matter who you are or what you do, he loves us and he draws us to himself so he can speak wholeness and sufficiency. Let him speak that to you. Are you wholly available? All your brokenness, all your trauma, all your pain, all of your insufficiencies, all of it. And when you're wholly available, your journey, your weighted journey of carrying that brokenness to him reveals who he is, how good he is with his open arms, taking you in. Focus on the light, not the darkness that you fight, not the brokenness that you carry. It's good to process it. It's good to go through it in community why we made sure we showed up every week as we process these things because we need you guys we need you guys we need to worship together and to pray together we need to just talk about the guts the things that we're processing I don't feel like enough we need to let it come out and process it unless you're an internal processor and then I'm not an internal processor so I don't know how to help you but there's still an element of community no matter how you process out of his sufficiency we're made whole in everything we are and everything we do. And we, as he is our peace, we reveal who he is. And now we're part of the story of creation to consummation, redemption and wholeness. We are. The task of shalom is not being perfect, not avoiding your suffering and not having any suffering, but processing your suffering and becoming whole in those spaces of whole life discipleship. Having clarity in your vocation and purpose not is not excluded from this picture of shalom. Be feeling like you like your job <laughs> or you're doing the right thing or you like the classes you take or you just love your family or you're a great mom or you're an amazing dad. Those things are not excluded from the picture of Shalom. Being emotionally and relationally tormented by tragedy and your own experiences in life 
by grief, by trauma. This is not the picture of shalom. But those pieces aren't excluded. And not being able to feed your kids is not a picture of shalom. Noel night was not a picture of shalom. Do you trust that in those things, God has something good for you? When you trust that he has wholeness, suddenly in this picture of chaos, God creates order, wholeness, and shalom. Peace. This baby was born. We don't know what he's going to do. They had no idea he was going to die on a cross for their sins. Take the keys of hell and torment the whole place and get you out of there and throw your sins and lock them up forever. No idea. They were like, what? This can't be the Messiah. They didn't even get it. They killed him. The Jews that expected Jesus killed him. Put him on the cross. But something in them said, this baby, God's going to do something. There's going to be peace. We're going to have wholeness. I can just feel it. Trust that hope. If this season isn't hopeful for you and there's not shalom or peace or wholeness, that's okay. We're going to walk to Jesus one heavy, burden, broken step at a time. And we're going to schlep our brokenness to him. And we're going to just be wholly available. And we're going to become a little bit more whole, a little bit more at a time. 613 broken, shattered pieces are going to take a long time to put back together. Are you available? for peace, for shalom, and do you trust God? God is so good. He is working in all our situations. We heard stories today of peace and in great chaos and suffering, and there's absolutely chaos and suffering in the world, and it blows my mind. God's really good. Um, in, in the beginning, created out of chaos he created something good and he brought order to it fast forward and Jesus is on a boat (laughs) in a storm in chaos sleeping on a pillow it says actually and he has peace in that chaos the prince of peace of course he does And everyone's freaking out around him because there's this storm and they're going to capsize this boat. And Jesus gets up and he goes up onto the deck of the boat and he speaks to the storm the same word that was spoken at the beginning of creation in the chaos, in the midst of the chaos that created order. A creative order. He says, peace, be still. And that peace that he carries and is inside of him goes out into the world and he creates something beautiful and ordered out of the chaos that everyone was so fearful of. In 1 Corinthians, there's a verse that says that uh, people, I feel like people misquote this one a lot because it says God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. I've, I've heard people say, yeah, God's not a God of disorder. He's a God of order. So go clean your room, Drew. That might have been my mom. <laughs> and it's not that that's not true. <laughs> but if you're juxtaposing disorder with peace, there's something more to it than just disorder and order. 
And so that disorder becomes something, create, something creative has to happen with it and to it, to create that peace and that wholeness, to make something whole out of something that wasn't. You know, peace begats peace, and the God we serve, our good King Jesus, the Prince of Peace, For those who follow him, he gives us this great peace that we can give it back, that we can put it out into the world, that this peace can create order out of chaos, but it's a creative order out of chaos with creative solutions in God's heart, and it, it, it makes communities, it makes more peace. Um, people who go out and make peace are called peacemakers. Christmas, this Advent, this year, coming year, all of it. Let's go out when you're in your situations, when you're out there in life, when you're at work, when you're in school. If, I know things irk me throughout the week, but just pray for God's, for the one who created peace and spoke into the chaos and storms and in nothingness, this word. Ask, ask for that word when you're feeling that irk to bring creative peace and creative solutions, that God would just touch your heart in that moment for whatever is going on in front of you. I just want to pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that we get to be here in adoration of you. I just want to gaze at you, gazing back at us. Thank you that your countenance, thank you that your face is, towards us is good. Thank you that you've never had a negative thought about us and you love us so much. Thank you that we're your children. You call us sons and daughters. Help us to go out and bring that peace out into the world. Mm. And continue to grow us an understanding of that and in action. We just love you. Bless you. Bless your name. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for coming. We'd love to talk to you. And there might be some donuts back there, too, still. Sign up if you want to help give away a thousand toys. Because that sounds like peace, creative peacemaking to me. <laughs> Have a great week.